This is Catherine Elizabeth with Train by Grace 2. And this is a discussion about a little verse in Hebrews that makes a whole lot of what happens in the Bible a little more discernible. And I had known this verse for a long time, and I didn't realize its application. So the the verse itself is Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So... We're going to get into kind of how that determines actions in the story in Genesis 4. And we'll probably do that with a lot of the the just Bible going forward because suddenly you see this really clear dividing line in what faith and I'm referring to faith in God. Faith is defined in this verse in Hebrews eleven six, um, what it does, um, the attitude it engenders, the belief that it is based on, and um, we'll kind of go forward from there. So, I really hadn't thought about the inner dialogue that happens because of this verse. So. Let you give give you a minute to look at that verse. It's again, it's Hebrews eleven six, and uh, then we'll get into this discussion after a short prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you do exist, and that you are a rewarder of those who seek you. Help us to understand that, and help us to understand the inner dialogue of faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so we take it Hebrews 11, 6, and if we understand the two parts of it, first of all, God exists. Now, here's the thing. During this dialogue in Genesis 4, it's very clear that Cain knows who God is. God's talking to him. But the problem is, he doesn't understand him as God. He doesn't understand, although he can punish him, Cain understands him as the one who punishes, the one who curses, the one who does not give him what he wants. Cain's problem is that God is not God. He's not the authority. He's not the ultimate person who's in charge of judgment and death and the soul, and life to Cain. Cain is. Watch, watch his actions. So what did that inner dialogue look like before the sacrifice? Now I realize this is a little bit of a made-up dialogue, but let's go back to Genesis 3 a minute and the curse on the ground. Adam's curse was, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. 
Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So here's this curse, because they disobeyed God, because Adam and Eve, quite frankly, didn't understand that God was God. And that they didn't, shouldn't be grasping to become like God. Uh, that, that attitude is also covered in Hebrews, by the way. Interesting book. And um, <clears throat> so here is Cain who is bringing the fruit of the ground. So he brings vegetables to God. And the ground is cursed. Cain works on the ground every day. He sweats. It's painful. He has blisters. Apparently, that ground was even more different than our ground today. He, he rehearses in his head every time he gets a new blister. Every time God cursed this ground. God cursed this ground. I have to work with my dad on this cursed ground. We're out here sweating because of the cursed ground. God is just a is just someone who cursed us and threw us out of the garden and and we don't have what we we really should have because of God. I really believe that that was the inner dialogue of Cain. And when he brings his sacrifice, probably that inner dialogue was like, "Look, I sweated. I've done everything to to grow something even though you cursed the ground." I'm going to give you part of this because because I want to be rewarded for what I have done. Here's the center dialogue. Now, it's so interesting how two children can be raised in the same household and have a completely different attitude. And this is no more obvious than this story. This story really highlights that. So what is Abel's dialogue? What is Abel? We're supposed to be looking at what is good and aiming for what is good. What is Abel's dialogue? Well, Adam and Eve were covered with skins before they left the garden. And there's a bit of a presumption of what kind of skins that would be, but it's interesting that Abel is 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 raising sheep and he sacrifices sheep and that's he already knows so much about how that sacrifice is to occur. So let's for the sake of this argument, I mean it could have been some other kind of animal. It may have been a couple different kinds of animals, but let's say it was sheep. So what does Abel's inner dialogue look like? Abel's inner dialogue looks like, you know, these sheep are so cute and friendly. And and the other thing is, notice that the snake talked to Adam and Eve. We don't know at this point, but maybe the sheep still talked. Maybe Abel got to talk to his sheep. Who knows? 
and and God here you know here's his dialogue God God gave us a beautiful garden and and mom and dad messed you know they made a choice that God told them not to make but God was so gracious and and even though he kicked him out of the garden because because it would have it would have been a terrible thing to live life that way all the time with with this change he covered them he covered them with with the skins of the sheep and he gave us sheep to be to be our friends and to be our sacrifices and to stand in the place of us so i'm going to raise sheep so that i can give sheep back to god for taking care of my life and taking care of my mom and dad even though they made that choice and taking care of my brother who worked so hard on the ground and taking care of everything that that we have now wow that garden must have been so much cooler it would have been so cool to walk with god i can't wait until until that relationship is restored you see the difference in the dialogue in these two brothers. Same thing. Same occurrence. They were both born after the fall. They were both born outside of the Garden of Eden. And yet, here's the dialogue. And we need to be very careful about our inner dialogue about God. Do we believe God is the provider and the rewarder and that he is God, the supreme God? Or do we see something else as supreme and that we are, we've got to wield it, we've got to be in control, we've got to do all of this, and God's just in our way? That's the difference between these two brothers. So, now that we've had that discussion, Cain ends up killing Abel. So, how is... First of all, God didn't stop that. Which is pretty astounding, actually. You know, we expect God to just, like... Lightning somebody that does something like that. And he really, really, really talks to Cain about his anger after the sacrifice, about... His sin crouching at the door about even after he kills Abel, what what has happened, how the ground took up the blood of his brother and it's cursed even more. Um, and Cain is, is still blaming God. He's still, now you've, you know, given me punishment more than I can bear. Like... I I was under the curse to begin with and 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 you just made it worse. He didn't even own his actions. He didn't realize that God was God. Still, even with all that kindness and all that mercy and all that instruction, God gives us a choice. He gives us a choice to understand. It's a finite choice. But even in the perfect environment, Adam and Eve had a choice. 
and they chose knowledge rather than really knowing God and God alone. And here, Cain chooses to be cursed. God gives him a mark, he still chooses to be cursed. Instead of seeing that as mercy and seeing that as grace and seeing that as love, he goes away and he does his own thing. And he creates a whole bunch of people who do exactly that. But Abel, we have to return to Abel. First of all, we find out later, it does not go into that in this passage, we find out later that God is the, the God of the living, not of the dead. So even though Abel lost his body and his blood was spilt into the earth, doesn't mean that Abel died in the eternal sense. In fact, if anything, it meant he lived in the eternal sense. He was rewarded right then and there for following God, even though Cain meant it for evil. And interestingly enough, Abel was a shepherd the promised people. Abraham was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. The Israelites, many of them were known as shepherds. Jesus was known as the great shepherd. The first, the who the hosts of the angels came to when Jesus was born were shepherds. Abel, although he had no legacy, and as far as we know, no children, had a legacy and has a legacy that continues forever and ever and ever in eternity. So God is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And we may not understand it because we have to have Eternity is a picture, not just this earth. It doesn't look like that if you just take under the sky. But if you take the whole picture, God is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that comes out in this story. Thank you, God, for being who you are. Thank you, God, for sharing with the writer of Hebrews the key to unlocking who has faith and who doesn't and what that looks like and what, in some places later in the Psalms, it becomes obvious, what is the inner dialogue of faith? But here's a simple verse in Hebrews that shows us so much about the actions, the attitudes of these two brothers and what what really happened about this story. So thank you, God, for your amazing word that interprets with the, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can understand you and fellowship with you as we read through your word. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.